everyone. I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. Now, if you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also leave us a review. Now today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Nick Rison. Nick is a former NFL linebacker who was drafted by the New York Giants in the fifth round of the 2002 NFL draft. He spent eight years in the league and also played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Denver Broncos. Nick played college football at the University of Wisconsin, where his junior year, he led the Big Ten Conference in tackles and earned all Big Ten honors. He then made team captain his senior year, where he led the country in tackles and was first time all Big Ten. After football, Nick got his MBA and is currently in the insurance solution space for pro athletes, entertainers, and high net worth individuals with pro sports insurance. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jen. I appreciate you having me on. Well, it's glad to have you on today. I'm glad to have you on today. You know, we're getting closer to football season, so I'm getting excited for that, especially this year since we have not had as many sports. I mean, we've got baseball and and hockey and uh, college football just started, but I'm looking forward to seeing some uh, pro football here in a couple of weeks. Oh, definitely. I mean, actually, I, this it, week. It, it's actually this week. It's actually, I mean, it's, it's four days away, right? I mean, it's unbelievable on the 10th. It's, it's, think about it. It's, we haven't even had a pre, it's so not normal right now. I looked at it. I just was searching to, to look at all the final roster cuts that happened throughout the NFL, but, you know, which is a, is not a good day um, in any, by any means. But if you think about it, it's like there was no preseason games. It's right. all of a sudden it's just going to creep up on me like, oh, oh, there was college football games being played. And I was looking like, hey, is there even high school games being played in my, in my area? So it's very flying, very much flying under the radar, I feel like. But uh, there's going to be a lot of viewership, I believe, when the, uh, the Chiefs play on the, on the 10th. Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to that game. And um, I'm actually excited because I was looking at the 53-man rosters yesterday and uh, a few of the, the young men that I had in my path to the draft series made the 53-man roster. So I'm very proud of the Davis brothers who played at Nebraska, Khalil and Carlos Davos, Davis, as well as Isaiah Wright, um, who's with the Washington football team now. So it's neat to see. I'm excited to see them uh, suit up and play. No, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah. So share with us, how did you get into football? Well, I guess I was born into football, um, per se. It wasn't that I necessarily got into it. My grandfather, my mom's father, was a very big man. He was 6'5", 270 pounds. And back back in his day, that's considered a, a big man. And he ended up going into the Navy after high school and then ended up to be, you know, actually getting picked up by the Green Bay Packers in 1945 when Curly Lambeau was, was the coach. And it was actually only one year. I think his contract was such that he would make 200 bucks a game. And so to be honest, he, he, he could make more money as a salesman. And so he only ended up playing one year, but essentially, you know, that's kind of where that genetical gene came from. And I had an older brother ended up 
playing football as well. And, you know, being a younger brother, you just kind of want to do what your older brother does and following him around. But from a young age, I've always enjoyed the physicality of it. My brother played quarterback and he ended up playing in the league for three years. But so I wanted to be like him. I put on, put on the helmet and shoulder pads. And like I want to play quarterback in seventh grade. And I just, I didn't like it because I didn't get to hit anyone. The physicality side really kind of brought me to it. But, you know, as you can say, what got me into football? Well, I love to play it. And it was also kind of in my blood a little bit. Gotcha. And aside from the physicality, was there any other element of playing the sport that really excited you? Well, I think, I think having, there's something so, so great about football is, you know, you really have, it's really truly a team sport and being able to do it with your, you know, as you, as you get older, right. When you get into middle school, high school, you know, not just playing, it's necessarily, you know, pick up games in the backyard or wherever you may be. It's truly is a team sport and being able to do that with some of your best friends and go through, you know, the ups and downs of what it takes and, you know, really truly having to trust in the person next to you that, you know, they have your back they're going to do their job so that you can do your job. Because if you don't trust that they're going to do theirs and you try to over, you try to do too much. And next thing you know, you're, you're out of your hole or gap. And, you know, that's where, you know, that's where you get beat. Um, and so that's something else that I really enjoyed about football was the, the true, camaraderie and the, and the team experience that you, that you feel. Yes. And you bring up a great point because I think when you look at sports as well as the military, which as you know, I, I'm currently serving in the bonds that you form with your teammates are stronger than any corporate bond. I'll call it. It's very different. You can have great teams in the workplace, but the amount of, of trust and coming together that you have from day one, you're all there to achieve a common goal. There's no convincing, right? Of, well, what, what should our sales targets be? Or what is the objective? Everybody knows what's the objective, right? It's to win football games in the military. We have the mission. We know what the mission is. And we trust one another to have our back, as you said. And so that's one thing that I've always loved about sports as a young kid on the sideline, so to speak, is just that coming together. It doesn't matter what, uh, what your background is. It's appreciating everyone for who they are, that, that diversity, and coming together to achieve the objective. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing you pointed out, too, is on that is that, yeah, that, that commonality, right, that common goal, the, that everyone is focused on that one goal. And inevitably what happens is, let's say maybe in business or sometimes even on, on, on sports teams, you see it that, yeah, there's a common goal, but there's also, uh, I got to get mine too. And they're looking out for, for themselves. And the next thing you know, there's going to be a break within that bond, whether that be, could be in, in the military, could be in, in, in sports. Um, and, and, and you see it more in business of, hey, I want the boss to see me, you know, and give me the promotion versus, hey, let's do this together. And hopefully, you know, we're all going to, we're all going to get promoted. I remember one time, I think it was back when I was with the Giants, when, when it was the Washington football team, was the Washington Redskins. They had future Hall of Famer after future Hall of Famer that they're just, you know, granted these guys were getting up in, up in age, but they were just paying them left and right to come in. And everyone thought they're going to be the world's greatest team ever. And they didn't have a winning season. And the problem is, is if you look at some of the Patriots, there's a lot of guys you don't know their names, but they all are able to, to come together for one purpose and one goal. And be able to say, you know what, I'm willing to lay down my individual success for team success. And that is also a lot of times where you have, you have to find the right people with the right character to build those teams. I think you hit the nail on the head with being able to have that common goal. I think that's what every coach says. The first meeting that you have in the offseason, 
It's, Hey, here's our goal. Is it the Lombardi trophy or is it, Hey, let's take, let's, let's win our division first and we can win our conference. And then we you know can go on to play the Super Bowl. Yes. And so you are someone who's played a lot of different sports, not just football. And in high school, you were a five sport athlete. Tell us about that. What sports did you play and which one was your favorite? Was it football or was it something else? Well, to be honest, when I was in high school, it was, I, I grew up in a small town, about 9,000 people. And it wasn't necessarily a ton to do in the wintertime uh, in Wisconsin. So what, what better way than to just kind of immerse yourself in things that you love and you know, I loved all different types of sports. And to be honest, I loved the sport that whatever season it was, that's what I wanted to do. And it all of a sudden came around. So I, I ended up doing football and then I did basketball and wrestling at the same time. And then I did track and baseball. I was more of a football basketball player. And then my junior and senior year, we only had my, my best friend's dad was, was, he was a wrestler. And then the dad was the head coach. And there's only about seven guys out and I had wrestled last the time I had wrestled was like fifth grade. But at the time, my senior year in high school, I was 6'2", 230 pounds. So I wasn't a small guy by any means. The coach asked me, he said, Hey, would you, you want to wrestle? And cause they only had seven guys out for the, the team and they didn't have a heavyweight. And so I said, sure, why not? And got approved by the, I had to get, I had to write into the Wisconsin athletic intercollegiate athletic program to be able to get approval, to be able to do more than one sport. And, Ended up getting approval and I would go and do basketball practice. Then I'd go up to do wrestling practice. And then when I could, I would make any wrestling that I could make. I would be there. But I mean, I always put the team sport in front of the individual sport. But I mean, heck, after a month's time <laughs> eating everything in the house, I went from like 230 to 210 because it's, it's such a different workout You know, from basketball. I could run, run up and down the court all day long, but when you get into a match where you're wrestling, it's... You know, that pushing and pulling and, and muscle, you know, muscular endurance is, is, is much more difficult then. And so I really, I really learned. And that's, you know, one of the greatest things is you hear about, you know, sorry to get off topic, but you, you get these athletes that you say, I'm just going to specialize in one, that you have coaches kind of pushing towards that or organizations, which I'm even seeing it with my daughter now, who's 11 years old in, in, in club sports. 95% of every professional athlete that played in the Super Bowl last year was a multi-sport athlete. What I'm getting at is everything that you do, whether it be in basketball, jumping side to side quickness to wrestling, to balance of pushing and pulling, understanding angles and movements to football, it all plays a role in everything that you're going to become as an athlete because inevitably you're going to, you're going to use that to prepare your body to do different things and different strategies. And um, I, I think it can only help you to be more of a, multi-sport athlete than a than one one sport person or one one sport type of player and also it's your body too how does it prepare your body if you're continually doing the same motion and and re repetition over and over again how long can can you sustain that if you look at you know one of the things i've i'm doing now as you mentioned before is the professional athletes that i'm i'm insuring well you're seeing a lot more injury and a higher rate of young kids with elbow injuries and shoulder injuries. Never used to see that before. But now these kids are playing year round. They're never getting time. The body's not getting time to go and, and rest. You know, when I, to, to be honest, you know, playing in the NFL for eight years, loved it. I also loved when January hit because I would play on Sunday. You get in a bunch of car wrecks, essentially. And now you've got 
to recover. You've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I didn't start feeling towards the end of my career. I actually didn't, my body didn't start feeling good until that Friday, you know, before we'd have essentially all our practices were done and now you get a massage and, and get ready to play the game on Sunday. And it didn't, you know, at the first day of training camp, that's when your body felt hundred percent. And then it wasn't until afterwards that you finally got to fully, fully recover and let your body heal. And that's time. Time helps um, the body heal very, very naturally. And, and, you know, I think you, you need, you need that as an athlete you can't over, over repeat the, the movement over and over again. Sure. Well, I think that's important too. Outside of the athletic space, just the time and the letting yourself recoup and reset, not from a physical standpoint, but also in a mental standpoint for people that are looking to be successful off the field, right? You can't just keep go, go, go. That's it. You have to allow yourself time to recoup and do other things. Yeah. Hey, there's no difference in business. I mean, when I was getting my MBA, it was sometimes the best thing you need to do is take a vacation where, where these organizations now, some of them are saying, listen, I need you to take a vacation. I don't want to see you on your email. Right. I don't want you yes. actually answering emails to me. I need you fully away from it. So when you come back, you're recharged and re-energized and, and are ready to go again. Absolutely. And I learned that when I went to work for GE, I worked there for nine years. And that was one thing that was eye-opening in their culture was they wanted you, like you worked hard when you were working, but when it was time to go on vacation, like they wanted you to disconnect. They encouraged it. It was about you delegate, you let other people carry the torch and you take time for you. And I thought that was interesting because before going to work at GE, I worked at Boeing, both great companies, but you all, even if you went on vacation, you still had your BlackBerry uh, back in the day that you are checking email. If you turned your phone off, people were like, well, what? What if we need to get a hold of you? So it was a very different <laughs> mentality. I'm sure their culture has changed now, but, uh, but that was something that I found interesting at GE, which was just like, no, you take your time, you know, again, work hard when you're on, but when you're off, you're off. Absolutely. So share with us. So you ended up uh, getting a scholarship played at University of Wisconsin. Uh, you did very well there. You know, led the country in tackles your senior year, led the conference in tackles the year before. What did you do to ensure your success? Oh, my goodness. I just made sure that I stay focused on, on what your goal is. And to be honest, one of the, um, you know, the things that I did early on with my, my parents or even my mom, uh, more specifically, was every year we'd sit down and kind of create what our goals are, right? What the goal was for the year, whether that be a, uh, athletically, academically. Um, and so from there, I was able to say, okay, here's what my goal is. My goal was to make it to the NFL, you know, from a young kid on. But for it to say, well, I'm 12 years old or 16 years old in high school, to be able to get to the NFL, all right, well, that's that's six to eight years away, potentially, let's just say. That's a long time to wait. So what do you have to do is you, you actually go backwards and say, well, what are the steps I need and things I need to achieve to be able to get to that goal? And so really being able to stay focused on, is this activity what I'm trying to do going to help me to get to my, that goal for that year, which inevitably is going to take me towards the NFL? That part of it, setting goals, really was able to help me stay focused on what the goal was um, and, what, and how I'm going to spend my time you know, within the weight room and learning the playbook, understanding, watching film. The better you understand things and the more it's, it's not necessarily as, as mental anymore. It's just a lot more physical you're able to play that much faster. So I think the focus in terms of understanding the playbook, you know, physically preparing myself with, with workouts, it just, you know, always being 
available and showing up every single time it's it's time to practice and play that, that you're ready to go and you're not just screwing around. Right. Yeah. And I like that you talked about having that goal, that longer term goal, and then breaking it down into smaller goals and making sure that those smaller goals aligned with where you were trying to go. In my Move the Ball book, and I talk about this too in a lot of speaking events that I do, I talk about this concept called getting the next first down. And so when you look at football teams, they don't focus on trying to uh, throw a Hail Mary every play, right? It's about getting to that next first down, resetting, getting the next first down, et cetera. And same thing here, you know, you broke down what are the things that I needed to achieve from, you know, 12, 16 on that were going to help progress me towards that goal of playing in the NFL. Listen, I, I think I learned one great thing when I was in the NFL symposium, my rookie year, I took three words and I still use this today, actually on my kids. It's choices, decisions, consequences. We all have choices in our life of, of, of whether we're going we're gonna to take that piece of candy and pay for it or not. Well, that decision that you make will have an effect and have consequences that could affect and determine the rest of your life. And those three simple words, I can just easily tell my kids, choices, decisions, consequences, and they understand, because we all know the difference. Most of us should understand the difference between right and wrong. Um, and that can definitely make the difference and be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, did I do everything that I could to be, to be the best at what I want to do? Okay. So let's talk about you uh, tra transitioning into the NFL. So that's a very um, accomplishing goal or it's a, that's a great goal. It's something you should be very proud of because we all know that the statistics of, you know, kids that want to play uh football in high school going to pro that's a very small number I don't know exactly what the number is today but it's small right and so you you've accomplished this goal you're suiting up playing with the Giants talk to us about what is that like for you well I guess it's a dream come true and it's not something that I always thought was necessarily going to happen it was a dream of mine you know my first two years at Wisconsin I actually didn't start I didn't really play very much but then had my opportunity my junior year and finally, after that, is I thought this is when I could actually have an opportunity. I think, you know, am I because I never knew if I was good enough. You know, I grew up in a town of nine thousand people. Um, my high school was five hundred kids. Had I played against the, the, the best competition, I didn't actually know. But there was two other guys that ended up playing. <laughs> I played against, and you know, as a at a rival school that both played in the NFL as well. So, you know, did I know if we were playing against good enough competition? I wasn't sure. It was a dream come true to be drafted by the Giants. And to be honest, I wasn't actually even invited to the NFL Combine. I led the nation in tackles with 167 tackles my senior year, and I wasn't invited to the Combine. Now, as a senior in college, I'm thinking there's 300 – think about this. There's 300 players that get invited to the Combine. There's 250 that get drafted. I really didn't think I was going to get drafted at that point. You know, I was very fortunate and very blessed, and, yes, it was a dream come true. I got drafted by the New York Giants in the fifth round. But getting there – a lot of people think that, you know, the NFL is a lot of glitz, a lot of glamour, and you show up on Sunday and you play and you have a great time, you're joking around the sidelines. But to be honest, it, it, it's a job and it's a grind. It's very difficult to make it. It kicks your butt. I mean, the, the reason, you know, the reason the, the average career is only three and a half years is because it's extremely taxing and physical. I mean, like I said, from the time, the first day that you're, you step onto training camp, until the time the season ends, there's always something that you're getting treatment on. There's always something that hurts. There's always something that aches, always a, a little nagging injury that is going to be with you. I mean, heck, I rolled my ankle, got a high ankle sprain in training camp 
um, my third year in the league. I dealt with that all year until all of a sudden it finally started feeling better in February when the season's over. And that's something that you have to mentally and physically be prepared for. Did I have fun? I actually, I, I absolutely. I was able to live out my dream and be paid for it and be compensated handsomely for it. So I was extremely blessed, but at the same time, you have to understand that, you know, it is a job and those that don't take it and look at it as a job, they don't necessarily last very long. Absolutely. And you played eight years in the league. So you certainly beat the average. And I actually learned that the average is less now it's under two years for NFL career. So it's getting shorter. Um, well, it's harder to make. You got more more players. And to be honest, I actually did a study on it that um, if you take out, um, it's like three years, but if you take out kickers, punters, long snappers, and quarterbacks, the average is like 2.1. So, um, you know, because they have, they have their more prolonged careers there because they, they can they can play as long because they don't have the contact. So, and I know you've got, a, you've got a great head on your shoulder. I know you approached this as a business going into it, and that helped learn, uh, that helped you to uh, continue your career. But you mentioned that uh, your brother played in the league. I know you have a cousin that also played in the league. Did they give you any advice as you were transitioning from Wisconsin into the league to help you to be successful? Well, I think, one, you know, one of the, the biggest things is that they mentioned to me is, which I also got at, at, at Wisconsin was, you know, one being, you know, make sure that you understand your playbook. Make sure that the coach can trust you, not only on the field, but off the field. They don't want to have someone on their team that they're sticking their neck out for, right? So these coaches are, they earn a living by being good coaches, by winning games and, 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 and not having people that, you know, make them look bad or get them in trouble, um, you know, off the field as well. And, you know, don't be that, don't be a problem. You know, that's one thing I would say a lot of these guys – that help off field issues, you know, it hurts them. You could be the greatest player on the field, but that they can't trust you to put you on the field and know that you're going to do things that the right way on the field and off the field. They're not, they're not going to want you. They're not going to spend the money on you. They're not going to take a shot on you when they could find someone that plays just as well as you. And they want to have, uh, they don't want to have those headaches. And, you know, the last thing is, the only thing, other thing I could say is just, you know, make sure that you, you take care of your business. And, and, and make sure you're, you're ready to go every single time that you step on the field. And so you've gotten to play with some great, uh, great leaders in the grain. Great, great. I can't speak. We'll cut that part out. Let's try that again. And so, <laughs> so you've gotten to play with some great leaders, great athletes on the field uh, at the Giants. You got to play with Eli Manning, Michael Strahan. Share with us some other folks who, in your mind, were really amazing athletes, but also amazing people and leaders because of how they showed up, what they brought into practice, and also how they conducted themselves off the field. Yeah, I think that was always one of the biggest things for me is, you know, how do they take care of themselves off the field and, and, and handle their everyday business? Is it, is it do as I say, not as I do? Um, you know, those are the things that, you know, actually growing up, my, um, I would say, well, who's your, who's your idol growing up? And I, I well, it was my grandfather and actually my brother because I knew who they were as men when they're not on the field, when they weren't, you know, when the camera wasn't rolling. And to be honest, I can, you know, say that, you know, if you look at a guy like a, a Ray Lewis, he was someone that on the field, I mean, he was, he was unbelievable, but he was even better off the field in terms of the way that he prepared himself for the game, the way that he, he spoke to uh, his team, the way that he was able to, prepare us. It, it was, it was, it was awesome. Now, granted, I mean, 
yeah, he had some stuff that came up, you know, earlier in his, in his life that, that he had some issues with, but when I met him and, and played, actually backed him up in Baltimore was 2007 and 2008. He, he was on point with everything. And, and to be honest, the reason that team won, not necessarily, you know, in 2010 when they won the Super Bowl, was Ray Lewis at his, at his top playing? No, but, the, but he was so much, he was so much more valuable to that team in terms of his intangibles and the, the things that he brought off the field that really helped that team be great and to win that Super Bowl. And so when you look at your career, was there any moment playing any specific game that you felt was kind of your most memorable game? Not necessarily. We made it to the AFC Championship game. That was probably one of the greatest seasons that I was a part of with the Baltimore Ravens in 2008. Again, we lost to the Steelers, which is another reason why I probably don't like the Steelers very much. I really can't say. I think there's just more or less individual plays. I mean, I had some games where, you know, I think we played the Steelers when I was with the Giants and I took on the bus multiple times. I mean, I had 21 tackles that game. You know, those types of games where you're just, something just clicks and it goes off that you just know that you're going to be around the ball early when you're early and often around the ball and just making plays that, you know, it's going to be a, a great game for you. Gotcha. And what was the biggest lesson that you learned from your professional football career that you use now to be successful off the field? Well, I think it goes hand in hand with, you know, being, being on a football team and being in an organization is the more you can do is the mentality being able to be versatile in anything you can do to be able to help your organization, whether it be football or in business, that you can always be there to pick up the slack to say, listen, if they got to choose between me and him or me and her and, and business, whatever it may come down to, who's more valuable to this organization? And in someone that can do a lot, a lot more jobs, I can explain my third year going into the league, I was considered the starting middle linebacker for the New York Giants, and I had an injury. They inevitably gave the position to someone else as I was trying to come back from that injury. And as I said, I had that high ankle sprain. I wasn't necessarily my, my full self, but the backup weak side linebacker ended up getting injured. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm backing up both positions because I was able to understand and pick up and I understand the defense enough. I knew all three linebacker positions and where we needed to be and what our job was on each, each, each play from that, the starter ended up, you know, showing up late to a meeting during our bye week. And the next thing you know, I come back from the bye week on the starting week side linebacker. I get that opportunity. I play great. Next thing you know, I'm the starting week side linebacker for the rest of the year. And then the following year, I'm still the starting week side linebacker. And I was able to win that job based off of the fact that I could do more roles than just one. And I believe it probably prolonged my career. And then the other thing was I was always a backup long snapper. So I picked that up after getting out of college. And here's another thing, advice I had gotten from other professionals when I was training for the combine was, listen, the more you can do, there's only 53, three men that they can keep on the, on that roster. You take away the long snapper, the kicker and the punter, all right, well, now you only have 50. There's a lot of injuries that happen throughout the year. If you can play multiple positions, there's more likely chance that they're going to keep you and let someone else go because you can, you can do more things. You create more value. So I would always say in terms of giving you know, people advice and why, be versatile. And the more things that you can do, the better off you're going to be in terms of uh, succeeding in, in, in any organization or, or sport. Absolutely. That's so very true in the business setting 
as well. The more value and differentiated value that you can provide to an organization if they have to make decisions. And especially in times like this of COVID where there are companies that are having to cut back, if you can uh, be one of those people that brings more value to the organization, then the opportunities will be there for you more so than someone that uh, can only play one position or has one particular set of expertises or skills. Absolutely. So let's talk about you off the field. So you're done playing in the NFL and you, you get an MBA from Northwestern and talk to us about what you're currently doing. So currently I am working for pro financial services or PFS as most insurance companies are all acronyms. <laughs> what we do is high limit disability insurance for professional athletes, entertainers, and high net worth individuals. So we work on behalf of we're separate, but we're considered a cover holder on behalf of Lloyd's of London. And we have the authority to be able to write insurance and then we place it in, in London for these different athletes, whether it be career ending, specific to certain types of injuries, accidental death, whatever it may be, we, we help protect them in their careers. Same thing with entertainers and then even high net worth individuals, lawyers, doctors, all, all about a specific job. And if they can't do that because of a disability or something that, that affects them, they could be compensated and they're covered under one of our policies. So it's been actually a really cool transition. And then I was very fortunate and blessed to connect with the company, bring my expertise and help them. And I think as you look at the first time I ever met my boss, it was just, I, I met through a mutual friend and this is something you, you can talk about even having networks. And one of the reasons I went back to get my MBA was, you know, Hey, listen, I had been out of school for almost 10, 10 to 12 years, you know, playing football and, Here's, here's a good chance to, to get back, re-educate yourself, show that, you know what, I'm committed to being successful. You can build your network. And through that network, I, I met my boss and, you know, he told me his business plan and, or his business model. And I said, here's how I can help you. And you know, five different things I kind of rattled off and he hired me a month later. And, you know, having that ability, like I said before, wearing multiple different hats and the value that you can bring, the position didn't even exist, but we, we created it. And I've been there almost now six years, and we've seen a, a lot of growth. That's great. And one thing you shared with me before was how it can be a struggle sometimes for players to kind of integrate into the corporate world just because of the, the question on transferable skills, right? And so share with me, what, what was your experience like, and where do you see that being a struggle for, for guys that are coming out of the league trying to figure out what's next for them? Yeah, I do think uh, – you know, as I mentioned before, you know, looking through all the different cuts that are that are going on this past this actually this weekend in a way that, you know, these players that have kind of put most of their life into playing football, you know, all of a sudden it can just come to an end. And it's, you know, what what's next? And, you know, I don't I don't envy that journey because it, it was, you know, even though I went and got my MBA and it wasn't necessarily all marshmallows and peaches and cream, I guess, <laughs> going, you know, in terms of a transition, it wasn't easy not knowing necessarily what you want to do in your, with your life, you know, after this is, it, it's very difficult and it's very, you know, whether that be, you know, individuals coming from the military or, or, or athletes, it, it is very, very difficult. Um, I would say in terms of my experience was as I was getting my MBA, I, I started, you know, going out on job, job interviews and meeting with different managers and every interview that I had when, when I thought, I thought, well, and when it came down to it, a lot of times the manager simply just said, Nick, we love your story. We love your ability to speak at a high level. We love your intangibles in terms of your 
willingness to to work as a team player, to be a, be a great leader, to deal with adversity, you know, all those attributes that you learn from playing sports and playing it at a high level. The only issue is, is just don't, we don't see the transferable skills on your resume. Here I am getting my MBA from a top five uh, program in, in, in the world, essentially, yet they question my transferable skills and my, my ability to do the job in the right way. And it was very, very struggle. It was a struggle for me to accept that due to the fact that I think, hey, well, I can learn this within X amount of time. And the reason you don't see transferable skills from a quote unquote former job that I had was because I was playing football and doing it at a high, doing it at one of the highest levels. And I think some people will think that, well, you know, in terms of athletes, hey, I'm an athlete. You know, people are always quite, you know, knocking down my door just to have have a meeting with me or lunch. Well, guess what? When you're done playing, that it's not it's it's not going to keep knocking. It's not going to be quite as easy as you'd think to just transition into a business role. And, you know, one, one piece of advice I'd give any athlete, whether it be in their collegiate, whether they're, you know, sport they're playing is that when you get the opportunity in terms of off season to make sure that you go and you get an internship, I don't care if you're a professional, I don't care if you're a first round pick, I don't care if you're making $10 million, you go and do an internship every single summer and any single off season, because you're going to be able to put that on your resume you're going to be able to have those experiences. You're going to help build that network in terms of professionals that you know. And guess what happens when you all of a sudden you hit that open market? You're going to have people that know you in a business setting and they can actually vouch for you in, in terms of how you are as a person, as a business leader. And it could be five, six, seven years down there. They may be at an entirely different company, but you're going to have those networks and you make sure you, you, you keep in touch with those people even while you're playing or moving around. And every time you do a different internship, you still keep in touch with them because boy, it'll make things so much easier when you're done playing. Just, just don't, just don't take your off season and say, oh, I just want to go hang out and, and game or learn how to kite surf. Who knows? It's depends on what you want to do afterwards. But you know, that's probably the best piece of advice that I gave you is if you don't want to struggle and have to take a bunch of years or have to go back to school is start building your, your work for after your career is over while you're in your current career. Absolutely. And uh, I work with a lot of student athletes, a lot of athletes, as well as military folks. And they think that uh, now if they're in the military, they're not getting an internship, but you can start that networking. Even, you know, a lot of people know when they're going to get out. We'll start networking before that. Don't wait so that you can start forming those relationships. Same thing in the athletic space. Get an internship, like you mentioned, and start building those networks. So we all know that in business, a lot of opportunities come from who you know right? It's not all just blindly applying to some job board. Yes, you can get a job that way, but the best way is through networking and gaining that experience Absolutely. and forming those relationships. Well, and use the resources that you have. I mean, you have uh, in the NFL, we had player development directors that, you know, constantly had businesses or organizations that, I mean, even you can go to your, your own team's marketing or even your college's marketing and say, well, what brands are you know, do we have relationships with you? Know, you come up with it, right? What opportunities could I get there? And the NFLPA actually, they started an externship program where they are leveraging some of those partnerships. Uh, Don Davis, who's been working for the NFLPA for for quite a while, he and I talk about uh, that program often. And I think it's a great program to really get athletes introduced into the business world and to form the relationships with companies that the league already has relationships with. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the, the NFL at the league level has a program where you can go and do certain job shadowing or an internship where you're going to move departments, you know, say every three weeks. 
So you're going to go and, and work with a different department so you can get a good idea of what each group does and get an idea of, hey, you know, this interests me. So now you're ready to go and kind of put a focus on something when, when you're finished and not just have to bounce around and, ah, oh, maybe I'll try that for a year or this for a year. And, you know, you don't have to give yourself five years to, to end up finding exactly what you want to do. Right. Yeah. It, it's good to see programs like that in place. And it, it's good to see people taking advantage of that. Are everybody taking advantage of it? No, but I think more, more and more athletes are realizing that, Hey, this, uh, this uh, NFL career is not going to be, you know, for very long or could not be for very long. Yeah. Right. NFL stands for not for long. Most people say so. Um, it's good to see that there are programs in place for athletes to take advantage of, to try to help position themselves for that after football success. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone retire from the NFL at 65, so. No. You know, as a player, I'd say. <laughs> so, no, granted, you could, you've got a couple that played into their 40s, but um, that's, uh, that's not, not, not very few. Right, yep. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and ask you just uh, seven fun questions. Are you ready? Um, I, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know if I have a choice. True. You don't have a choice. I'm just <laughs> All right. Here we go. What is your favorite food? Cheeseburgers. Next question is what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie. I kind of go back and forth all the time between Tommy boy. Okay. Uh, that's old school. That's right? a good movie. And, and dumb and dumber. So I just turned 41 and being in the office and having younger colleagues that are, you know, say 25, 26, before I even mention a movie quote, I say, have you ever seen this movie before? So if you haven't, uh, you know, it's going to go over their heads. So yeah, I would have to say um, Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy are, are, are my, my faves. Okay. How about what is your favorite professional sports team? Doesn't have to be football. How about every team that I played for and the Packers in terms of football? But no, I'll say this. It's, I'd say New York Giants the Baltimore Ravens, and then the Green Bay Packers, because that's where I grew up. Gotcha. I'm from Chicago, so I'm going to just pretend you didn't say that last part. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the Bears are still living in 85. That's a problem. You know, they're still living in the glory years. It's okay. <laughs> All right. My next question is, uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? I don't necessarily say it was a coach or a mentor, but, you know, there's three words is yeah. – is, you know, it's, it's something that I'll live with and I'll, you know, I'll tell my kids is choices, decisions, consequences, because, yes. you know, it's, it's clear as day. <laughs> That's all you yep. need to say. So I'm going to flip it and say, what is the best piece of advice you would give someone? Is it that or do you have something else you would share? No, I think, I think, you know, it is that it's the choices, decisions, consequences is a, is a piece of advice I'd give to somebody. But also the fact too, I think if I could add to it is, Never give up on the things that you want. When I was in college, I was signing different autographs for kids when I'd go and speak at, at, at different, you know, let's say elementary programs. And I, I didn't want to be cliche and just say, hey, you know, so-and-so's name, uh, best wishes and, and sign my name. And so I just kind of came up with a motto and, and a saying that said, you know, there is no limit to where your heart and mind can take you. Always strive to be the best in whatever you do. Your heart and your mind and your will, it's, never give up on what, on what you want to achieve. You know, that's what you learn. I think most in, in football, you dealing with adversity, it's getting knocked down, but you know what? It's always getting back up. I love that. That's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. All right. The next question is what is something that most people don't know about you? 
I think everybody knows everything. I'm, I, I kind of wear my my heart on my sleeve, right? And I, I grew up in Wisconsin, a small town, and you know, I trust everybody, so I, I kind of tell them everything <laughs> that's going on and about me. All right, my last question is: If you could be any superhero, who would you be, and why? I would be. I guess I got to be Superman. He can do everything. I mean, he's he's strong. He can fly. He's got X-ray vision. He can do a lot of lot of lot of things. So yeah, I'd have to see Superman. Okay. So as we wrap up today's show, any final thoughts for our listeners, and let people know how they can keep apprised of your journey. I'm on LinkedIn, and or. You know, our company's website, too, is the different things that we're doing is, uh, well, it's pfsins.com. Just kind of check out what we do and, and who we are. But you know, I guess LinkedIn, in terms of my, my journey, is the way that I would ever tell a story and movements I would ever make to anywhere. But I, I don't ever see that, <laughs> that happening because I, I do truly love what I do right now. And, you know, but things are always ever changing. And as you said, the more you can do, we'll see what happens. Okay, great. And any final thoughts for our listeners? Oh, gosh, I guess, as I had said, you know, as I use as a motto, you know, there's, you know, don't ever quit and don't ever give up because there's no limit to where your heart and mind can take you. Absolutely. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, likewise. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. And thanks to everyone for listening. Until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.